Welcome back to Get Fitty With It. I am your co-host, Holly Stark. And I am your co-host, Mary Sorensen. And today we are back with another guest. We have one of my beautiful friends, Megan Lane on. And before we get into talking a little bit about Megan, let's catch up, Mary. How was your week this week? You also had a very special day yesterday. So I'd love if you yeah. share a little bit about that as well. Yeah, this week was good. Um, as far as working out, I like crushed it. I went balls to the wall this week in like a good way. Okay. Yeah, I was like... I don't know why I was just like excited to work out this week. So I wanted to take advantage of that. And um, so I did like a bunch of bike rides. I got back into like lifting last week or two weeks ago and I've been like sticking with it. And I've really been enjoying the Peloton like lifting program because it's just so nice. Like, like stretching, like I said, is built into it. I've been really kind of bad about it, but like even in the actual lift, like there's like stretches after your workouts and things like that. So it's really cool. And it's been really like, I've been excited to lift again and like also like watching what weights I'm using and things like that. The only downside to this week, and I don't know if it was because I was stressed out going into like my bridal shower weekend, um, or if it was because of my menstrual cycle, mm -hmm. but like I was severely under eating some days and like, didn't even realize it. And then when I did realize that I was like trying to like overcompensate for like what I'm eating and like making sure that I'm like, but I wasn't like hungry, which happens like often during my period. But mm -hmm. anyways, that was the only like bad thing that was going on. Um, yesterday was my bridal shower and it's just so crazy to like it's already over like it came and went so fast yeah. and it's just like your bridal shower is like really like the kickoff point for like everything else that's gonna mm -hmm. like happen um so it was excited like it's it's exciting and it's sad because it's like over sure like there's no more like looking forward to that or like sure. planning it which is like a blessing and a curse like it's yeah not a curse but like a blessing and like a sadness but yeah. it was really good and it was really fun and it was nice to see people and like hug my friends that I haven't seen in a very long time and just see like all the different people of your life like come together mm -hmm. was really cool so yeah it was really fun but how was your week this week Holly? My week was good so like I said last week I went into this week doing the celestial diet and lifestyle program. I'm so excited to hear about this by the way. I know yeah, our listeners so. are probably like leaning it. <laughs> so I already told Mary, I think I'm going to do a whole episode talking about it because I learned a lot of lessons, especially with food this week, but I had a lot of messages just channeled through me this week too, through meditations and stuff like that. So, um, if that's something you guys would be interested in hearing, let us know, because I'm definitely already thinking about it. So probably going to be an episode in the future, but, um, can you give us like one little, like course. glimpse, like yeah. lesson? Okay, cool. So in terms of let me actually bring up my notes because I had taken a lot of notes in my phone and in my journal throughout the week. Um, let me see. So, so just as a little uh, precursor in case you didn't listen to last week's episode. So the Celestial Lifestyle Program was created by The Balanced Blonde, aka Jordan Younger. She is a, a podcaster, a healer, creator in the world. And um, so it's just really a program of really eating whole plant-based foods, kind of connecting back with your body, connecting with your intuition every day, deep meditations. Um, and then there's a lot of journaling that goes with it. And so there's a lot of different pieces you're kind of um, going along. And with that too, one of the things with this is um, not a lot of intense movement. It's really mindful movement. So it's a lot of more walks and yoga this I week. Saw you're doing a lot of yoga this week. I, I yes. noticed that. 
Yes. So no like hit workouts, none of my bike stuff, all of that stopped for this week. Um, but on the, let's see what day was this one on? Uh, I felt like such a stalker when I say that, where I'm like, oh yeah, I saw that you were doing that in your window. Like that's all I picture when like Mary binoculars into my window. Yeah. Just right into it. <laughs> that's like all I think about because like obviously I have an Apple Watch and that's what I mean. But like just I love it. I saw that you were doing that. I was watching you as I walked outside your house. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Exactly. So on the first day, um you do a higher self meditation. And so um I have connected with my higher self many times before, but this day she didn't show up as her normal self to me. She actually showed up as a star shape. Um, and she was purple with a pink outline, which I realized purple is definitely the color of your third eye chakra opening and pink is just very feminine. And I feel like I have been stepping more into my femininity and just that slowness and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about with Megan in the episode, funny enough. Um, and so she took me to a piece of my home and my soul and it was surrounded by water and things like that. And I asked for a mantra in a way to kind of live not only for this week, but just for this period of my life. And the message I got was I am open. I'm a vessel for messages and that cracked me open and it just started my week on such a good note. And mm -hmm. I really feel into that. And I've been using that mantra every single day and just knowing that I am a channel to share different messages with other humans that haven't connected with higher consciousness. And so that was kind of one of my biggest lessons was I need to continue sharing this because while everyone can connect with higher consciousness and spirits, a lot of people aren't comfortable enough to take that journey, I feel like, or they're just not interested in taking that journey, whatever the case may be. And so, uh, but there's so many messages that are out there that the human world needs to hear. And I realized that I'm a vessel. I'm one of the vessels to help share that this week. That's so amazing. I love that. I'm so excited to see like your progress with this program. Yeah. So it's definitely like, it's, it's something I'm going to continue like this week, I'm going to incorporate a lot of other foods back into my diet, but, um, especially with a lot of her meditations and, and just kind of having more whole plant-based food has truly made me feel so much better this week. I don't feel as tired. I don't feel as foggy. I do not feel as bloated just so much. It was such an eye opener for me. And so it's, and I'm going to go, like I said, probably do a solo episode because the food lessons I learned this week have just been huge. I've never, I've never felt so secure in my relationship with food before. Ever. That's amazing. So <laughs> that's how my week was. <laughs> I do also want to say something, which we, we, wow, I can't talk what's new. Um, that we kind of talked about with Megan, but, and I know that I say it very loosely because like, I'm not as much into like the spiritual world and like, like the woo woo. And she said, she doesn't see herself as like woo woo, which you guys will hear, like I said, in our episode. And I wanted to say like, as you continue to like progress in your spiritual like journey and your spirituality and like everything that you've been doing this year, like that work, like you really are just becoming like yourself. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like you really are just like, it's not like, 
all these different things. It's like not like all the like woo woo and the whatever. It, like it, it really is like impact. Like, Im- what's the word? I'm not empowering, but like, I don't know. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but it's really just like all encompassing, yeah. like who you are as a person. And I just wanted to say that, that it's not like how it used to be where it's like, oh, I'm doing this now and I'm doing that now. Like it's like all encompassing of like who you are. And like, I can see that like getting stronger as you continue doing things like this. Yeah. I feel like this year for me has been taking the pieces of me that I always separated and putting them together so that I can actually be who I'm supposed to be rather than mm-hmm. this fragmented version of myself. I love that. And I see it. Like I see that growth so much. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So anyways, Megan, guys, you're going to love her. She is just, as I described to Mary, after she talked to her, Megan's voice is like a, a meditation. She's just so calming. She just brings so much love and, and lightness. I feel like just her presence alone. Mm-hmm. And so you guys will actually hear a little bit how, how we met her and I, um, but she is just a woman who is doing a lot in you'll, the, the stripping and kind of sex work uh, mm-hmm. area. Um, so she does a lot of coaching with women who are in that area of business. Um, but she also just does a lot of singing, which we didn't even get to talk about in this episode. She has studied and then done through, gone through a lot of different spiritual transformations and, you know, using different plant medicines and things like that. And she has just had such a big impact from the one time I had met her. Um, you know, it's, it's four years later and I'm still, you know, connecting with her. And so, I was so excited to bring her on the podcast and I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode, but, um, Mary, I'll let you, I'll let you speak. (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I literally thought that like, sometimes I was telling Holly this after we had spoke with her, sometimes it felt like I just didn't even like have anything to add or anything like additional to what she was saying. And so you hear like, especially before, like we talk after she speaks, it's like, there are these like kind of pauses of like really taking in like what she just said Mm -hmm. and like it sometimes it would just be like that was amazing or like I love that or like things like that that we were saying but like it truly like while you're listening you're gonna feel that impact of what she's saying I think Uh so I'm excited for everybody to hear this yes so uh, let's hop right into the episode and we'll see you guys on the other side Oh my gosh, we are here with the beautiful Megan Lane. So just for a little setup here, I met the beautiful Megan at a retreat. What was it back in 2016? I think it was something I like that. It was 2017. 2017? Uh, the years yeah. anymore. I don't know, but, I know. <laughs> but after this last year, yeah, 2020 right. was multiple years. So I don't know what year it is. Um, but Megan and I were both at a retreat with Allie Wilkins, who was hosting it, which you guys heard Allie at the very, very start of mm-hmm. the podcast. I think she was episode four. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how we connected. And ever since I met Megan, I was just telling her, I've always wanted to collaborate with her in some way. And I felt like the podcast was just a perfect way because I got to share her story and just, you just are this like magical goddess. That's what you are to me. That's what you've always been to me. And like, it's just this energy that like, I have been trying to tap more into. And so, especially with that and me wanting to get more into that, I was like perfect timing for Megan. So now that I've 
shared my love for you. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about the mystic woman that you are and what you do here? Oh, well, first of all, I think I'm going to be like crying and gushy now. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. We love it. (laughs) So sweet. I, I love, I love girl crushes. It feels so good to be friends with other women that were just like, you're so awesome. And I love you. And just like, what a cool world that we live in that we get to connect like this. So I love it. Thank you so much for having (laughs) me on. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about our retreat recently and how wonderful it was to connect with you ladies. And I really remember that was a time too, that I was really starting to like come out more and like step more fully into myself in a more like public way, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And just being around you ladies was such a, a container for me to do that in a safe way and to just be seen and loved by you ladies. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And Definitely. I've been thinking about you all. So I love it. Yeah, I miss that little group. You. I know. Amazing. I know. It's so good. I've been thinking, I was like, gosh, now that the world is opening, let's do it again. <laughs> I know back in Palm Springs, a beautiful yeah. Palm Springs. Oh, I miss it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so about me, gosh, I am a life coach by profession. I like to say that I also moonlight as a song leader. Um, I call it my sort of uh, my jobby because it's like my passion hobby, but I also love for it too. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a life coach and a song leader and yeah, just living life on a ranch in Southern California. I live in a tiny home with my partner and our great cat. And I'm really just in a space in my life right now of living a slower pace of life, tuning in more to my own spiritual connection, um, and really just looking more clearly at what it is that I want to give to the world and how I want to show up and who I want to be. And there's been some curiosities arising too of like, what's next in my professional life and my spiritual path. So I'm in a space right now, I feel like of new things emerging and expansion happening, but in a very delicate way, because I need to be delicate with myself. (laughs) Like life is chaotic enough. I like, I don't need to force myself into crazy expansions. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. I love it. I feel like I'm in a very similar spot right now. Like I'm, I feel like I've shifted a lot recently, like just mental thoughts spiritually. And like, I feel like I'm evolving into like this new ascended version of myself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I can just definitely relate with that. <laughs> so good. I definitely with all, the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I think, I think so many of us can relate to that, especially after this last year yeah. where it just kind of put everything in focus of like, okay, what's important? What do we want? What's not working anymore? So I think, I think we're not alone in that feeling. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I was going to say the way that you put it, I feel like a lot of people need to hear that, like to be delicate with yourself because of the craziness and everything from this past year too. And the things that people are dealing with now in like reaction to last year. I think that that's just like such an amazing thing for people to hear, like be delicate with yourself and like do this in a delicate way because there's so much crazy. So I just wanted to point that out that I love how you said that. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think something that I've realized about myself as much as I have for the past 11 years or so, I've been really on a spiritual journey of like discovery and learning and growing. 
And some of the spiritual practices that I engage in can be really intense and challenging. And that's kind of the point is to like put you face to face with your challenges and to look at them and grow Mm -hmm. through them. And I've also learned that with myself, like I am a very quick learner when I'm like picking up things, but also sometimes a very slow learner with like implementing (laughs) the things that I'm learning. (laughs) For sure. Because it's like too much change all at once can sometimes just be like chaotic and like really challenging. And I think something that I've really learned with myself is that it's it's okay to go slow and it's okay to grow slow and it's okay to not have everything right now and to not know all the answers and to not expect myself to be this like perfect ascended version of myself that I can fumble a lot and, and that's okay. And so I think my lesson in that is just like, be gentle with myself and don't force the growth and don't force the change and just know that it's going to be all good. And if I need to like sit and wallow in the misery for a little bit, that's okay too. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like learning the lesson of slowing down and like slow growth sometimes is a better path to your growth, I think was such a hard lesson for me. Um, cause I've always been a person that like, I want the results now that type of thing. And Mary and I have shared a lot about just our, our previous, like eating disorder, kind of eating disordered eating, I should say, as well as eating disorders and like how we've been so obsessed with fitness and things like that. And when I first started working out all that time, I lost weight really quickly. And it was like, so after that, I felt like I always had this idea from those, all those years ago that everything happened so fast. And I think when I got into my spiritual side, things sometimes happen very slow, especially when you're really opening up and kind of getting your body into a better state to open up. And it was a hard thing for me because I was like, well, it's not working. Like I'm not doing it right. And it's like, no, that's just not how this works. That's not how things should work all the time. And so I love that you bring that up because I think that for so many people, they haven't learned that lesson yet, or they're still learning that lesson. Um, But I think it was one of the best lessons I've kind of cracked open. That was a long, a long mishmash of words. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. And I, I so get that too. And even in my own journey with all sorts of stuff, but also emotional overeating and, and my own personal growth and even growing my own business, like every space in my life that's had a goal that I've wanted to achieve, I've had to really learn that it's not going to look perfect all the time and it's Mm -hmm. not going to happen quickly all the time. And just because I'm not at that like amazing end result doesn't mean that I'm not getting there Yeah, and doesn't mean that anything has gone wrong. And it's such a good lesson and such a hard lesson too. Definitely. Definitely. And, and something I know I have just been focusing a lot, like, especially on my Instagram is being comfortable in your skin. And ever since I met you, you've had this confidence and I'm sure that maybe it wasn't always there for you. And we all have those internal battles with ourselves, but you know, when and how did you start getting more comfortable in your skin? Ooh, I love this question. Um, I think my journey is very unconventional. (laughs) I think when I was younger, I really wanted to be liked. And so I, of course, everybody does, right? We all want to be liked. Mm -hmm. And I think I remember, I think I remember having this sense of like, what, what I could do to be cool, to be liked. Mm-hmm. So I remember being young and like having this sense of like, oh, I should be more this to be cool. And so I think I started kind of 
getting outside of my comfort zone when I was younger, like socially and just like doing different things. And I think I was kind of like brave, so to speak, when I was younger, I was just very curious and very open and kind of just like, all right, well, like, let's do this. And, (laughs) and when I was 18, I, which this is not the reason I started dancing, but when I was 18, I started stripping as a means of taking care of myself financially. And it was something that I wasn't like, I didn't start stripping because I had so much confidence and I was Mm -hmm. like, sexual. In fact, I was like kind of the opposite. I, I think I was pretty reserved and, and I was not like overly sexual. I, in fact, I was pretty like reserved in my sexuality. And so it was not a thing that I jumped into because like, yeah, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that working in that industry, I kind of had to be confident. I had to show up confidently because that's how you made money. You you had to like connect with people and talk to all sorts of people. So I got really good at socializing, communicating, connecting with people um, in a really deep way, very quickly, because that was the nature of my business was to connect, be, you know, be attractive, be social, connect with people in a deep enough way that they wanted to spend all of their money on me. (laughs) And part of that was being naked. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then the other half of the time I was walking around in like lingerie and like eight inch heels. So (laughs) there was, there was kind of this like almost, um, fake it till you make it type of thing where I, it was just a world that I kind of threw myself into and had to learn the ropes along the way. And I danced for a long time, but of course, towards the end of my career dancing, I was very, very confident in myself, in my body, in just in my presence and my personality. And I think it was just because of that repetition. I just got really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, I think that was kind of like the first, um, what do you call it? Like the first, um, crafting of my confidence, Sure. but then it wasn't until I actually left that industry and became a life coach and started diving more into my spiritual practice that I really started getting comfortable with who I am deep down because while I was dancing the whole time, I felt, well, actually not the whole time, but for a, a large portion of my time dancing, I felt a lot of shame and stigma around the work that I was doing Mm -hmm. and didn't want to tell people because I felt like, oh, I'm not the stereotypical stripper. I'm like this spiritual kind of wholesome woman. And I have other things going on in my life too. And I also was so connected to my spiritual community. So I really felt a lot of dissonance with that Mm -hmm. persona. And it wasn't until I really stepped into my role as a coach that I started just loving and accepting who I was and what my journey was and what my path was. And that type of self-love and self-acceptance, I think is where I really developed a truer sense of being comfortable in my own skin because there was no longer room to be ashamed of a part of myself or a part of my path. There was no longer room to be like, oh, well, I'm spiritual and I'm a stripper, but like, let's just forget about the stripper part. You know, there was, (laughs) Like there was really this, this experience in my life of those two things merging and me recognizing that all of my past, you know, as a stripper, all of my past from like my childhood trauma, like all of that stuff was a part of me and 
none of it was good or bad or right or wrong. It just all was, and it all is. And Mm -hmm. I think that that, that knowing and that acceptance of like the oneness of, of my path and my story was really the thing that allowed me to feel comfortable in my own skin. Cause I didn't have to hide anymore. You know, there was no more like, Oh, I'm only going to show this like good part of myself to people. No, it's just like, yeah, this is me. This is who I am. And yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Take it or leave it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think, I think it's such a cool story too, because I feel like so often when people hear, oh, I'm a stripper, I've been a stripper. It's like such a negative connotation or like mm-hmm. you think, oh, they've been through so much trauma. Like that's, I feel like what your kind of initial thoughts are. And, you know, I think that I, not, I think I know that the way you share your story, it just helps change that. And that's, that's truly like something I just love about you is you're, you're changing something, even if it's on a small scale, you know, or if it's on a big scale, either way, like. I don't know. I just, I think that's so cool because you're helping break that stigma. And I think more people need to be out there doing that for a bunch of different stigmatisms that are out there. Um, but I'm, I'm rattling. I'm going to let Mary take over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I a hundred percent agree. I do think that there's like you were saying, it's like, you kind of feel the shame from having to like say that when you're doing all these other things. Um, but I wanted to know, were you always wanting to be a life coach when you were dancing or did that come like because of dancing and like seeing all these different walks of life and like meeting people and having to connect so closely with them. Yeah. I didn't always know that it was specifically life coaching, but I think I knew from a young age that I wanted to do something in my life that aligned with my spiritual and personal growth, but I just didn't know exactly what it was. And I had seen like coaches and mentors out there that I was like, oh, that's cool. But I didn't really see myself exactly in that role. And I would say it wasn't until I discovered my mentor, Brooke Castillo, who she's just out there. Like she certifies life coaches and she is definitely like at the top of her game in the industry. She's been doing this for like 20 years. She's an incredible coach, incredible mentor. And she has a school where she's certified hundreds of coaches, if not more, and just has the most amazing coaches that, that have come from her school of thought. And I saw her and I was learning from her and everything just clicked. Like all of my spiritual practices, all of the life experiences that I was having, Um, even just my experience with dancing, everything kind of just clicked when I found her, her teachings. And I remember thinking like, oh, this, like, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to help people. And it kind of just felt like a calling that, that called to me. Um, And I think, yeah, to answer your question, I think it did come from going through my own challenges in life for sure. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of it came from just my own love of personal growth and me focusing so much on that in my own life that I was like, this is what I love doing. Like, what else would I do? (laughs) I love that. Absolutely. And when, sorry, Mary, um, when you decided to leave dancing and like step into being, you know, a life coach full-time, how was that decision for you? Especially, you know, financially, I'm sure, you know, if you're 
starting your business, obviously, you know, it can be a scary time, but when was that like, yes, this is the time to move over to this. And how was that financial kind of piece for you as well? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. And this is something that I, this is something that I work with my clients on because I'm now a life coach for strippers and women in the industry. Mm-hmm. And it's always that, that piece, like, how do we do this? Because the financial aspect mm-hmm. is like such a big piece, which is why so many women like get stuck in that industry and you sure. know, stay for a long time. And so honestly, for me, it definitely was a struggle. Like, I mean, becoming an entrepreneur is a a big undertaking in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on top of that, being a life coach and then like, you know, it's, it, it's a lot. And so for me, it was challenging for sure. It was challenging to, um, trust and know that things would work out and that I would be taken care of. Sure. Um, I think especially because I had come from a lifestyle where money was always at the ready. It was, if I wanted to go make more money, I could just go make more money. So transitioning from that into a lifestyle where, yeah, I had to make some financial sacrifices. I lived at home for a while. I didn't have my own apartment for a while. I lived with roommates. Um, I cut back on a lot of things and it was like going through that period of discomfort. And then also like for a while, like living on credit cards, like putting groceries and stuff on credit cards because I didn't have money coming in from my coaching Mm -hmm. business at the time. So it was definitely a learning curve, but I also am really grateful for that period because it taught me just how everything really does work out Mm -hmm. and just how taken care of I always am, even when it seems like, oh my gosh, there's no money. What am I going to do? But somehow like I'm still here. I'm still alive. I didn't like poof, explode into the universe. Right. (laughs) So like it, it was such a good learning lesson for me to learn how little I really needed to thrive. And of course there was stress and of course there were things that were like not as comfortable, but I'm so glad that I went through that because I think going through that is really what allowed me to completely and fully let go of dancing and to trust that I would never need to go back there unless I wanted to. Sure. And so to be in, in this place in my life now where I'm like, oh, like I... I don't ever need to do anything that I don't want to truly because I trust that it's all going to work out and I trust that it's all going to be okay. Um, And I think also too, like a big, a big part of stepping away from that and not going back was really just honestly be me just being so ready to be done with it that I was like, all right, I can't, (laughs) like, I can't keep going back. Like I'm ready to just trust myself, Mm -hmm. trust my business, trust that I can do this. And to keep learning even when it's hard. And I think that, I think that that's like the biggest piece of entrepreneurship too, is like not giving up when it's hard and learning what we need to learn when it's hard, because there are going to be times where we're failing and we're not succeeding and we're not, you know, we try something and it doesn't work, but do we just give up and like throw in the towel and go back to what we were doing before? Or do we say, okay, why didn't that work? What's the lesson here for me? How do I grow through this? What do I need to make it better next time? And so I think that that, like that mantra stu- like st- stuck with me of like, okay, the failures are just an opportunity to keep growing and keep learning. So I love that. And uh, throughout that whole thing, I think you pointed out so many different lessons you learned throughout your time and like throughout creating mm-hmm. that decision 
you know, as you left dancing, you know, looking back on that time, what was the biggest lesson you learned that like has just shaped, you know, shaped who you are, shifted who you are as a person? Hmm. And I'm sure there's many, but (laughs) yeah, I love this question. You ladies have such good questions. (laughs) I think, I think the biggest lesson is kind of a little bit of, of what I just touched on, but I think at the core it's, it was trusting myself that I'm capable trusting myself that I can always figure out a way and that the goals that we have, like nobody else is more special than we are, you know, like nobody Mm -hmm. else is more capable of achieving goals than I am. Sure. I think it's just a matter of continuing to show up even when it's hard and being willing to keep exploring and keep expanding and just keep learning and growing. And I think for me, that lesson like deep down was really just trusting myself that I'm capable and not giving up on myself. That's amazing. I love it. I think think that it's such an applicable lesson that other people, you know, could, could learn from and yeah. Well, and regardless of what industry you're in too, it's like just realizing that like you can give up on that, whatever the industry is and still be okay. And like moving forward with it. That's just, I've like chills hearing you talk about it. (laughs) It's like, I I've been there. So I know. Yeah. I feel like it's funny because I, you know, I talk about strippers and I, I'm a life coach for strippers. And so I talk a lot about like leaving the industry and moving on. And it's funny because I think sometimes people think like, Oh, strippers, it's such a unique thing. And it is, but it's also like, everybody goes through this. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) People who are doctors don't like their jobs and want to quit people who are administrative assistants, you know, like there's all kinds, like, this is such a universal human experience of Mm -hmm. wanting to make change in our life and sometimes feeling stuck and then learning the lessons of like how to keep moving forward and keep growing to create the results that we want. I think that's all it really comes down to, you know, whether you're a stripper or a lawyer or a doctor or whatever you are, Yeah, whatever you are, like you want change. It's hard. And now what? Like, let's keep learning and growing. Yeah. Keep moving through that, that hard piece. Yeah. Um, And I think, I mean, obviously that's the hardest part, you know, it, it, cause you can get so easily stuck there because you're like, you know what? It's just a little bit more comfortable over here. Like, uh, I don't really want to do this. And I think that's where, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I hate seeing, but like, you know, I hate seeing people get there because I'm like, no, just keep going. Like you push a little bit further and like, it's going to be so amazing. And, and, and so I hate whenever I'm seeing, cause I can't tell that person to do it. Like they have to work through that themselves. Totally. Um, you know, it's not a lesson I can just be like, well, well, Mary, just go do it. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's how that works. <laughs> yeah. I always think about, I don't know if you ladies ever remember this, but like when I was younger, I had a lot of girlfriends where we complain about our boyfriends together. <laughs> and we'd be like all upset about our boyfriends and like he did this, that, whatever. And we'd be like, girl, just leave him. Like, you know, it's time to leave him. <laughs> But like, we would never leave our boyfriends until we were just like totally fully ready. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and I think about that lesson, like no matter how much advice, how much love, how much support, it's really just a matter of like, are you ready? Mm-hmm. And 
you'll take action when you're ready. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. And, and so switching a little bit over to more of your spiritual and spirituality. So when did you start kind of opening up that door for your spiritual side and sort of how has that journey looked for you in a more condensed version? Obviously I know spiritual journeys are never a short story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Holly, let me break out my novel and I'll read a passage to you. <laughs> let me read from when I was five here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would say I would say when I was 19 is kind of when it first started. Although I do remember when I was younger, I remember being like 12, 13, and I grew up in a very chaotic, um, abusive household. So there was a lot going on. And I remember being young and spending a lot of time by myself, just kind of like thinking and trying to understand better, like the world and the circumstances around me. So I think from a young age, I was curious and I was exploring my own internal sense of awareness and consciousness. Um, even though I didn't know what it was at the time, it was more sure. so just trying to make sense of the crazy around me. But I would say at 19 is when I kind of first got introduced to like spiritual practices, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, and it was because I was dating a guy at the time who introduced me to um, Lakota sweat lodges and a it's called Agape International Spiritual Center in Los Angeles. And it's kind of like a church for all of us, like new age spiritual, like people. It's, it's really cool. If you ever have a chance to go to LA and visit it, it's super fun. It's like you go and you just get this like amazing, like pep talk from the universe kind of vibe. <laughs> That's awesome. So I went there and then, uh, my boyfriend at the time, he was in, um, not AA, NA, he was in NA, which is a lot of like personal growth and kind of like looking within and understanding, you know, addictions and patterns and behaviors and all that. And, so I would say at 19 was the age that I really started kind of exploring and did Kundalini yoga and started doing regular yoga and meditation. And I think I was just curious and open at a young age. And of course my boyfriend was doing it. So like, I wanted to do it too, yeah. <laughs> but I, but it really stuck with me. Like those practices really stuck with me because I think they started opening up doors of self-exploration and self-discovery for me Definitely. in a way that really felt like, oh yes, like this is, this feels really true for me. Um, and I grew up religious and I just was like, not about religion, you know, like by the time I was 16, I was like, all right, I don't know what this business is all about, but this is not <laughs> me. <laughs> so I, th I think that like exploring more, um, different types of spirituality, like resonated with me a lot. And then I would say it wasn't until about, well, I want to say about seven years ago, seven and a half, maybe. I went down to Peru after going to Burning Man and festivals and, you know, just kind of like exploring different things Yeah, and met someone at Burning Man who was leading, um, plant medicine retreats down in Peru. And she was doing like ayahuasca. I mean, she wasn't doing it, but she was taking groups down. Yeah. And my friends were curious and I was like, all right, like I'm, I'm down to try some psychedelics. <laughs> <laughs> That's and awesome. we, would, we would like go out camping and like take mushrooms and like that in and of itself is very, like, it's very opening, you know, it's very eye opening to our, to our own inner workings. And so I think I was just open to trying this ayahuasca thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I went and it was amazing and profound and healing. And then it came back and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do that again. That was 
like totally fucking weird (laughs) (laughs) and intense and like going down to Peru. But when I was in Peru, I got this very clear message that I should go do my yoga teacher training. So I did. And I went to Bali to do my yoga teacher training and met a woman in Bali who just so happens we were neighbors in Los Angeles. And um, we live like in this, you know, the city right next to each other. So we connected and turns out she was doing plant medicine. And so I just kind of like got more involved. And I would say maybe about like four years ago is when I finally kind of just surrendered and was like, okay, this plant medicine work is really potent and it's showing me and teaching me a lot in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think for a couple of years, I was kind of on the fence about whether or not it was for me or whether or not I really wanted to like, you know, be all in it. I was kind of like one foot in one foot out. I was like, maybe I should just be a normal person and like have a regular job and, you know, like (laughs) not do all this personal growth stuff because it's hard and it's weird and it's like crazy. (laughs) And so I was kind of on the fence for a couple of years of like really trying to figure out my, my life path. Sure. And then I finally just kind of surrendered. I, I just realized that I kept feeling called to it and kept coming back and kept learning so much from my own personal and spiritual practice that I was like, all right, this is the life I'm going to live. I'm going to be all in with my spiritual practice and be all in with my personal growth. And like, I'm just going to be full on weirdo. I'm not a normal person. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate so hard to that. (laughs) And with, I, you know, I know you and I have talked previously, you know, about ayahuasca and stuff like that. When we were at the retreat, you know, with kind of where you are now, where, what does that look like for you? What, what plant medicines do you work with the most often? And, and just how has that kind of growth been too? Because I feel like this is something we have not touched on on the podcast yet, mm-hmm. but I'm, I've always been inter- so interested in it and kind of what people work, what works for them, what has helped them spiritually as well. Um, and just kind of hearing more about that because I haven't really explored that much into it, but I've always been just so curious about a lot of the different plant medicines. Like I can, I know it's a calling that's going to be at some point in my life. And I just don't know, like for like ayahuasca and stuff like that, I don't know when, but like, I've always had this deep interest in certain plant medicines. I love that. That's so great. Um, it's so cool to hear that, that there's that knowing for you, that calling, but it's not just yet, but like yeah, in the future, no. I, that's really cool. Um, gosh, where to start with that? I think, well, I think one of the things that I want to preface this by saying is that I, I love to share about these plant medicines because I know that they are so healing Mm -hmm. and they've had such a profound impact on my life. And I also see that with a bit of reservation as well, because I know that there's a lot of kind of like popularity with plant medicines. And there's a lot of people who kind of just like go on social media even and just share. And I think something that I want to say about it is that it is a very sacred, traditional indigenous practice. And you know, we are very lucky and very blessed as Westerners, as white people living in North America to get to experience these things. And I think that there's also a good deal of reverence that should, that should go alongside it. And so when I talk about these things, um, it's not just to share in this sort of popularity, like, oh, everybody should go do ayahuasca. It's, it's really like, no, like these things are important and, and we should hold them sacred. And 
they're not just something that we all should be, you know, treating as if it's burning man of like, Oh, got to do once, you know, got to get it off the bucket list. (laughs) But these really are like sacred and traditional spiritual practices of, of healing and growth. And I think something for me, so to answer your question, um, ayahuasca has been a very big part of my own spiritual practice. It's been something that I've worked with quite a bit, but certainly not as much as some people have. Um, some people that I know who have been working with it for many more years than I have, have been sitting for many more times than I have. Um, but it's definitely been something that's that's been probably the most that I've worked with over the last four or five years. Um, I also work with psilocybin as well. So mushrooms, um, and those I find have a similar quality in their ability to help me look within and see where some of my patterns are that maybe are useful or not useful. And I mean, you know, there's been deep, profound healings. Like I've healed a lot with my mom who was, you know, a huge source of pain in my life for a long time because that was the abusive relationship that I had growing up. Mm -hmm. And so there's been deep things like that, like healing my relationship with my mom, but there's also been things that I've learned like, oh, you know what? Uh, dairy is really not serving you. Like you should probably stop eating dairy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Like little things like that. And like, oh, like I, I feel, it feels really good when I move my body, when when I'm doing yoga in these ceremonies, like I should do more yoga or I should meditate more. So there's, I think that there's a full spectrum of insight and healing and growth that can come from those medicines. Um, and I think that they really open us up in a way that we might not be opening in our everyday lives because we have so much stimulation from the outside world where even, you know, coffee and food additives and processed foods and technology and jobs and responsibilities and all of those things can kind of come in and create this sort of buffer between us and our, our spiritual connection. Definitely. And I think that when we strip away those things, it allows us to connect more deeply to our own inner wisdom and the deep the deep knowing that lives inside of us. And I think also along with that too, you know, it's not just the plant medicines themselves. It's also the, the people and our practices that we show up with. You know, I think that I've learned the most, I mean, I've learned a lot from the medicines, but I've also learned a lot from just being around other beautiful human beings who are studying their own practices, who are meditating and doing yoga and doing all sorts of other things where they're learning and growing and they're bringing a lot to the table as well as the plant medicine itself. So I think the beautiful thing of that is that yes, the medicines open us up and show us things, but it's also so much more than that. It's also who we're being and what we're bringing to the table and the relationship that we bring to the plant medicines. Um, And I think that that's something that I have really come to appreciate about working with those medicines is that it's not, it's not so much about just, oh, let me go for my healing Mm -hmm. and let me learn my things. It's being there and then recognizing and and witnessing, oh my gosh, people have been doing this medicine for thousands of years. People have carried this lineage and this tradition of healing for thousands of years for me as a white woman living in Southern California to even be able to experience it. And like that level of like recognizing our ancestors is incredible. 
And then seeing all of the other people around me and seeing the interconnectedness of like, hey, we're all here learning and growing and willing to like go in and do the deep work. Like that to me is just such a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, I have a very dear friend of mine who says like, it's, it's our spiritual practice. And it really is. It's like, not just going and like doing the plant medicine and, you know, feeling good afterwards. It's like, it's the practices that we continue to carry on with us into our daily lives. It's who we become in the process of our own learning and growth and how we, we become the medicine ourselves and then live that for others to, to witness and experience, you know? So I think I totally rambled there. So I, I'm no, not sure if I answered your question. <laughs> you did. <laughs> no, I, you for sure did. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think, I think kind of what you were saying, uh, just bringing through, you know, if you're the processed foods, like all of that can clog your channels and it doesn't have to be about the the plant medicine that opens you up. And, you know, it can be like this week, for instance, I had very clean eating all fruits and vegetables, very limited, like not limited grains, but grains, but you know, rice pastas and things like that. And just more whole foods. And that's all I ate this week. And I have opened up so much. So, you know, I, it's like, I wanted to say, yes, if plant medicine is calling to you, like do it obviously, but there's other ways to also kind of have these experiences. And I think kind of what you're touching on in the beginning there, you know, find that way that's going to work for, for you. You know, it doesn't have to be certain things, but just totally. thank you for sharing about plant medicine. Cause like I said, it's something I'm so curious about and that I want to just share more about on the podcast. Cause I know that there's other people that are curious about it and just not really sure what to do with that curiosity, I guess, if that makes yeah, sense. <laughs> totally. And I love that you said that, that it's not just plant medicine, that there's I mean, really, when we get down to it, it's like, you can achieve these states in meditation. I mean, it might take a long time, (laughs) especially in our, in our Western world, it might take a while to like cut through all the noise to get to a place of meditation where we can access that. But yeah, it's, it's so much about the everyday practices, the everyday small things that we do in our lives to keep showing up. Mm -hmm. And I know this for me personally, because the first few years that I was doing plant medicines and really exploring, like yeah, I was learning a lot. And I I think I was trying to apply things, but I also wasn't like, I wasn't like really, you know, like I remember for a few years having messages in like ayahuasca ceremonies where I was like, all right, Megan, like you need to quit stripping. Like it's time. Like you're cutting yourself off from connection. You're like lying to people that you love about this. Like you're not, you know, you're not allowing yourself to have intimate relationships. Like this exchange doesn't feel good for you anymore. Not that there's anything wrong with stripping, but it just wasn't feeling good for me anymore. And it took me a few years to implement those things. So it's like, it's not just the plant medicine. It's like, it's what we do. It's Mm -hmm. how we, how we access those things in other ways in our everyday life by listening to the intuitive messages that we get of like, Hey, is, is sugar really helping me? Maybe not. Is scrolling on my phone this much? Does it feel good? Probably not. Is this job working for me? No. How am I treating my family and my relationships? You know? And like, I think that we can achieve that same learning and growth by just showing up to our lives every day and doing the shit that we know we should do. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Mantra 2021, doing this <laughs> shit, you know, you need to do. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that just like sparked for me. I was like, yes, that has been my year this year. 
That's amazing. Oh, uh, I, I also wanted to circle back to something that you said at the beginning was when you were younger and you had religion in your life and you gave that up. And I think that not that there's anything wrong with believing in religious things and like believing in a God and things like that. But I think it was really important that you said that, that there's other ways to be spiritual, because I think when people hear spirituality, they automatically think religion. And if you don't go with like the religious aspect, then they feel like they're just done spiritually. So I love, and I know Holly said it in the past too, that there's so many ways to be spiritual and you touched on so many, like just meditating or yoga or, you know, different practices that you can bring into your life. And for me, I'm learning through Holly more like of my spiritual side and like, I call it Holly's woo-woo side. Um, (laughs) But I think that it's really cool for people to hear that because I think that so many of us lose that spirituality as we're growing up. If you choose to step away from like religion or whatever it is that you believe in and then you feel like you're just left with this hole of no spiritual side so I just wanted to circle back and say that because I think it's such an important thing for people yeah oh my gosh I love that you said that that is so true I think I think you're so right and I think also too like even people who who practice or follow sort of maybe more traditional religions Hmm. I think I think not all of them even are like the crazy fundamentalists that I grew up with. Like my family was like Mm -hmm. super fundamentalist Christian where it's like, if you're doing yoga or like have, you know, have meditation, like you might be practicing witchcraft and like, (laughs) and not even everybody who's religious is like that. Like a lot of people Mm -hmm. who are religious are like very, you know, very loose with it and very connected to just like the love of God and like the Mm -hmm. teachings of God. And, and so, yeah, totally. And I think that I've experienced so many people. I dated a guy um, quite a few years ago who became, who was raised Mormon and then became an atheist because he was oh, no. just like so turned off by it. And I was like, no, but there's like, there's something else here. You know, like there's a more grounded mm-hmm. personal sense of spirituality that's not just religion and you don't have to be fully atheist. And so, yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that. And, and I love to consider myself too, like, I would say it's funny because I think if other people looked at my life, they might say that I'm pretty woo woo. Like, you know, doing plant medicine work is pretty out there. And like, I definitely study some Buddhist teachers and philosophies and, and there's like a lot that I do in my life that might seem woo woo, but I don't even really feel woo woo. Like I feel very grounded and I feel very like connected to like my own humanness and connected to like my presence and my space here on this earth. And like even something like that, like introspection and self-reflection can be the only spiritual practice that you need. Like you don't even have to meditate or like have crystals or Oracle decks or whatever. Like you can just journal and self-reflect and like learn and keep growing. And that in and of itself is a spiritual practice. And I think that that's what all spiritual practices are really trying to achieve anyway, is, is giving us the tools and the insight and the wisdom to keep growing and keep being better humans here on this planet. You segued me so perfectly into my next question. I couldn't have asked anything better. (laughs) What are some of the routines and rituals you practice in your daily life, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, anything that you just show up for every day? Yeah. Well, first of all, when you said that I segued you, I totally was just like imagining us or on a relay track, like me passing you the baton. Like, here you go. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. 
so I would say everyday, everyday or regular practices are a big one for me is journaling. Um, I do a lot of journaling and I have since I was young because it allows me to just get everything out of my brain and onto paper. In an ideal world, I journal every day, but if I'm being honest, I haven't journaled every day in a while. Like I kind of go through phases and, you know, living, living with a partner and a cat and a, having a garden and, and a business sometimes, you know, I don't always get to it right in the morning, but journaling is a big one for me. Um, recently I've been pulling a lot of cards, so not tarot cards, but just, just like guidance cards, angel mm-hmm. cards, give a little, to me, they feel like a little boost of affirmation or just like a little wisdom or a little focus to tune into that day. Um, I get outside a lot. I water my garden. I weed in my garden. I go walk in nature. Um, I think just getting outside and being amongst trees is really, really helpful for me because it just helps me to slow down and tune into this higher vibration than than my four walls can offer sometimes. Yes. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Oprah and I listen to her podcast regularly. <laughs> Love it. Love uh, she it. has a podcast, Super Soul Conversations, and I listen on Spotify and I'll go for walks and just like listen to Oprah and I just like podcast. get all inspired. <laughs> you have great um, people on there, by the way, like Eckhart Tolle, like deep, just deep people on there. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's awesome. I think in an ideal world, if I could be anything, I would be Oprah. <laughs> When I grow up, I want to be Oprah. That's what I want to be. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I I think, I think I also like to spend time just being quiet. Um, I find for me that it can be easy to consume a lot of information like Oprah or other inspiring podcasts or, you know, accounts on Instagram or read stories. I, I'm such a voracious learner that I love, you know, consuming things. Yeah. But I also have found in my life that it's really, really helpful to take time and space for my own brain to output um, so that I'm not always just inputting things that I can give my brain space to be creative and to come up with new ideas and to tune into what's going on for me or what do I think or what do I want. Um, So I think being quiet is really helpful. And sometimes that means just like putting my phone away and sitting on my porch and literally just doing nothing but like looking outside for 20 or 30 minutes or laying on my floor and doing the same thing. (laughs) Um, Moving my body definitely helps. Yoga. I do a lot of yin yoga in the evenings to just unwind and relax. Um, I take a lot of Epsom salt baths, which someone recently turned me on to the idea of using a whole entire bag of Epsom salts in a bath. Let me tell you, it feels really good. Not just the scoop, like use the whole bag. It feels really good. (laughs) Try that out. Try that. Yeah. I love that. I think, it, I think hearing you talk about it, it just, it helps because I feel like so many people, when me and Mary are talking about routines and rituals, one, they think you have to do so many things every day, but two, I feel like sometimes people think, especially for spiritual routines or physical routines, well, you need the weights, you need a bike, you need crystals. Like you don't need all this stuff. You can just show up for yourself, take yourself on a walk, take yourself on a run, tune in with yourself, just sitting on your porch. Like it can just be very easy, literally free things. You just need your body and your mind for, and creating your practices out of those things. And I think that can be like the easiest part for anyone to start in. So thank you for, for saying so many of those type of things that you do in your everyday life. 
Yeah. I think that making it easy and sprinkling it in when it feels good is probably the most important. Cause yeah, if we put too many rules and, and guidelines around it, it like might not happen. Mm-hmm. It just puts too much pressure on it too. And like a lot of times you end up hating that routine then. Cause you're like, Oh, I didn't get to X, Y, and Z today. So now I failed. like getting a gift into that negative mindset then. So, and, and me and Mary struggle both with this start, yeah. sort of stuff all the time. <laughs> me waking up at 4am hating my life, but continue to do it for like a month. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, much respect to you though for that. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Um, oh, you know, I think another thing too, that's really important. I know we kind of touched on this already, but, um, being really mindful of what I put into my body, I'm very sensitive to caffeine, very sensitive to sugar. Um, so I think being really mindful of like the foods that I eat helps me feel better. And so it can be like a practice, which I mean, can sometimes be hard because like my relationship with food has always been <laughs> an yep. interesting relationship, but being really mindful of like what I'm putting into my body, taking my vitamins, making sure that I'm like giving my body the most optimal things to feel good has been huge for me, especially this last year. I love that. Yeah. I think that is such a good lesson. And again, easy lesson you can implement, um, you know, this week alone, just cutting out processed foods. I've felt so much less of like the mental fog and things like that. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Like what just eating a little bit healthier, like can do for you. Totally. <laughs> totally. And I've even noticed too, like gluten and sugar are two big things that I've really like taken out of my diet because I notice when I eat them, my mental health really suffers. Like I start feeling really anxious. I start getting depressed and it's easy to miss because I think that like anxiety and depression for me shows up as like very real quote unquote real life problems where I'm like, oh no, this thing is wrong and this thing is going terrible and this thing is bad. And what about this? But it's like when I remember, oh, I just totally had a bunch of gluten and sugar in the last few days. It helps me to remember like, oh yeah, that doesn't really work for my body. And so just taking things out that like disrupt that, that gut balance, that healthy, you know, gut microbiome, Mm -hmm. um, that throws off the serotonin production is like so important for me because mental health is something that's, that I've had to work on my whole life. Like I am not just a naturally happy, jolly, perfectly content person all the time. Like girl, I got to work on it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And if sugar is not helping, like sugar is, does not belong in my pantry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important to play around. You know, I think that right now we're in such a space with the food culture where it's like gluten-free paleo, you know, keto, vegan, all of this stuff. And it's like, yes, that's going to work for some people, but play around. Maybe grains feel really good in your body, but dairy doesn't maybe both don't feel good. Like I think doing the, you know, kind of cut out certain things and then slowly bring it back and see how like that, I think is such an important lesson for people to go through and or, or see, you know, if they are feeling, you know, the fogginess or depression or any of these sort of stomach issues, whatever it may be, like play around with your food, like have fun with it. That's the point. <laughs> And it's taken me a long time to get there. (laughs) Yeah. Likewise. And I think that that's really the beauty of like that intuitive eating is because you're learning how to tune into your body and notice, does this make me feel good or not? It's not about like, you know, like you said, like these diet fads of like keto and paleo and all these things. It's about like, what makes me feel good. And Mm -hmm. for me, like 
coffee doesn't make me feel good. Caffeine doesn't make me feel good. If I eat too much like high sugary fruit, it doesn't make me feel good. If I don't eat enough carbs, it doesn't make me feel good. And it's like so different from person to person. But like, I think that in our modern culture, we've really lost touch with our own, like tuning into our body and noticing Mm -hmm. how it feels. And like my partner and I talk about this all the time where we're like, oh my gosh, we used to have so much like gut pain and digestive pain. But now that we've cut out so many inflammatory foods from our diet, we don't feel that anymore. And we're, we talk about this and we're like, do you think that like people just feel like heavy and tired and like in pain often? And we're like, yeah, I think a lot of people do. They just have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's so crazy that you just said that. Cause me and my fiance, we talk about that all the time. And I'm like, but when you do eat those things and you're sitting there, just like miserable, you're like, is this how people like, did they just get used to that feeling of like being like a lump on your couch and like feeling like crap all the time? Cause like, I know people who are like, well, I don't like vegetables and I don't like fruit and I like, don't eat that stuff. And it's like, okay. But then they're eating like McDonald's every day or like things like that. And it's like, do you, are you just like, okay with like feeling like garbage? Like, did you just get over that? <laughs> so it's so crazy that you said that. Cause we talk about it all the time. I think it's that, that desensitization that hap- that's like so common in our culture. It's like, I mean, think about it. Like we drive cars. If you think about how insane cars are, like we mm-hmm. drive so fast in cars, like our primitive nervous system was not designed to drive cars, but we're so desensitized to driving cars every day and using technology and all these things that are like so overly stimulating to our nervous system that we've had to block it out. You know, we've had to like numb ourselves to the stimulation of the modern world. And not that it's Mm -hmm. a bad thing. It's just like how our bodies are evolving. But yeah, I think that so many people don't actually realize whether or not their habits are like really helping them feel good or not. And I think that's why taking that time to just be by ourselves in a quiet space for whenever we can is so helpful because we can tune in and notice like, does this actually feel good to me? I love that. Yeah. I don't remember the book. If I remember it, I'll put it in the description, but um, I was reading this one book and it said like, when people go to the doctor, they're like, oh, I, I feel fine. Like I just have some neck pain and like my arm hurts sometimes and my stomach like is bloated. And they're like, okay, but then you're not fine. Like those are not normal things. Like people will be like, oh yeah, I'm like, it's just, it's usual. It's like the little bit of neck pain. It's like your neck's not supposed to hurt ever. So like, it's not normal. So the desensitization, like you're absolutely correct about that. Like people just think that those are normal. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. So true. And one thing I wanted to make sure we touch on a little bit. So, uh, it's just, sexuality and, and feeling comfortable with your sexuality and, and having fun with sex, honestly. And so I know when, when we met and maybe you don't remember this, but this moment stood out to me when we were at the airport, we were leaving and you gave me a hug and you said something along the lines of know you're a very like sexy and confident woman. And that was a point in my life where I was struggling really bad. And I think I, I remember us talking about it. And that was the first time I felt like I really was like, Oh, maybe I am sexy. And I never made those type of connections before. And it was from that moment that I went on this kind of journey with myself in, um, you know, just reading more about sexual things, sexuality, things like that. So, you know, we, this is another thing we haven't really touched on, on the podcast. Can you just share a little bit more about kind of how you, you know, especially with dancing stepped into your sexuality, but like how you still bring in 
that fun sexual energy. Cause I feel like you just embody that type of energy. And I feel like I'm starting to, but like, I know I have more of a, a process still to get like fully there. Mm. I love hearing that story. First of all, oh my gosh, I love that. And I totally remember that. And I, I remember like wanting to tell you that. Cause I remember seeing you as just this beautiful, sexy woman. And I, I don't remember exactly like what the, like the thought process was behind telling you, but I think something for me is that like, I feel like every woman deserves to feel like they're sexy and they're beautiful. And I think that our, our culture gives us a lot of stories. Otherwise, you know, if we're not like a size two and you know, whatever all of the physical traits are Mm -hmm. that we don't, that we don't deserve to be sexy or, or beautiful. Or that if we're not like, if we don't look like, you know, Giselle Bunchen, who I think she's amazing, but if, you know, <laughs> if we don't look like a supermodel that we're not beautiful. And I think that, you know, especially with like Instagram filters and like all this, you know, b- mm-hmm. uh, Botox and like cosmetic surgery, there's such a high standard for beauty. And I think that so many women really don't give themselves permission to be beautiful in a world that says, Hey, this is the standard of beauty. And it's like way above you. And I think that one thing that I really learned as a dancer was that I didn't have to be the most beautiful woman in the room or the most thin woman in the room or tall or whatever that like I made my money because I let my soul come out you know, like I just let myself love who I was and I let myself feel confident and I let myself just feel beautiful, even though there were plenty of times where there were women that were maybe more pretty physically and more attractive than I was. Mm -hmm. But I, like, I knew that that wasn't the thing, you know? And I think that, I think in a way like dancing and that, you know, being in that industry is kind of cool because it gives you a lot of confidence because it's like, it's like in our, in our modern world, we don't get a lot of that constant validation for our physical appearance, but like in that work, it's like, it's constant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that kind of like allowed me to have this like bigger perspective of like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm a total babe. Like I'm sexy. Like, and I still like, I'm, I'm definitely like, I would say like, I, my body has changed since I quit dancing. I, you know, like I don't really wear makeup anymore. Like, so I, like I've changed. I'm I'm a little bit older now, but I still like walk around feeling like I'm a babe. Like I'm super sexy. (laughs) I love that. And I, I think that we all have permission to be that, you know, we all have permission to just feel that we're babes and we're sexy and we're beautiful and that other people see that. And maybe not everybody, but like, we get to be sexy in the world. And I would say, you know, honestly, to answer your question about my own sexuality, my, my relationship with my sexuality has been up and down for maybe my whole life. Honestly, like, I think I remember being young and, and being like hyper-sexualized at a young age, you know, being sexually active at a young age. And I think that that kind of distortion in our, our society is, something that a lot of women have to deal with. And again, not necessarily like, I'm not 
here to judge it and say whether it's good or bad, but it's something that I think many women go through and experience and it, it definitely influences our relationship to our own sexuality. Sure. And it did for me, certainly. And of course, being a dancer in some ways allowed me to feel really sexy and confident in myself and get more in touch with what I liked and what I wanted. And there were also times where I was disconnected from my body and disconnected from my sexuality because I had a lot of shame around dancing or because I didn't want to feel present with the men that I was dancing for because they were stinky or ugly or old or whatever, you know? And so I think for me, like my journey with my own sexuality has been, it's been a learning process and still really is. I mean, like now I'm with my fiance and, and I'm learning new things now, you know, I'm learning new ways that I at times shut down and am not sexually engaged or where like my sexuality is not as alive in my body Mm -hmm. and other times where I'm maybe more confident with my sexuality than most people would be. Um, So I think it's, it really is like a learning process. And I'm, I think at a certain point I thought that I would just get to this place where I was like really sexually embodied, comfortable in my sexuality, comfortable with my woman parts. And then I would just be this sexual goddess. And that's not how it's happened at all. (laughs) (laughs) Like some days I don't even think about sex. Some days my fiance wants to have sex and I'm just like, sex, what? Like I (laughs) can't even begin to think about sex right now. So, but I'm also, I'm also like learning to have more compassion for those ebbs and flows and also learning too that I think our sexuality will always continue to change, especially as we grow and get older and, you know, go from maiden to mothers to crones. There's a process and a transition of, of how our bodies change, how our sexuality changes, how our relationship to ourselves change. And I don't know the answers to that just yet, but I'm just in the process of like being with whatever happens and whatever comes along. And so, yeah. I love that. I think that's important that you were talking about kind of the the journey of it, the ebbs and flows, because I think it's true. Your sexual journey is just going to be like your physical journey and your spiritual journey. Like it's never going to be a, probably a, an arrival spot necessarily. You're always going to grow. You know, we're always aging, obviously in this human experience. So you're always going to be feeling different things or finding different things about yourself. So I think it's important that you know, we do say that it's going to be a journey that's ever evolving, just like all of our other kind of journeys in our life. So thank you. (laughs) And I I think for me too, it's also learning how to not make up stories about what's happening for me. And I know that for me, and I'm sure for a lot of women out there, I know I've talked to quite a few women who've had a similar experience, but there can be this, this sense of like, oh, well, if I'm not turned on all the time or ready for sex all the time or feeling sexy all the time, then maybe that must mean that there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm broken. Maybe I've, you know, and that was a big story for me of like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm broken somehow sexually if I'm not always turned on or if sometimes sex is awkward for me or I get anxious during sex or I feel uncomfortable and like just remembering not to go to those places of turning it into a story. You know, just like giving it space to be like, oh, this is how I felt yesterday when my partner and I tried to engage intimately. And 
that's just what happened yesterday rather than going down the rabbit hole of like, oh my God, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not sexual. Do I need to go see a doctor? Did stripping all those years ruin me? You know, it's like, just like letting the stories go and having more compassion for just where I'm at in the present moment and letting that be okay has been a huge um, learning edge for me. And also something that's been like tremendously helpful. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And I just, I feel like, especially for women in like the sexual realm, it's like, it was not taught a lot in schools or like it was frowned upon for women to, you know, experiment with their bodies and do things. And, you know, like sex toys and things like that are always so frowned upon. And like, you'll see it in like movies and society and things like that. And I think that that is becoming a little bit more represented for women and it's becoming to the forefront of like this is okay for you to do whereas I think like at least when I was growing up it was not like that it was like oh no you should hide that like if you're doing anything like that so I think that it's 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 a harder journey to go through and then it does cause I feel like more so and I don't want to speak on like a man like a man's behalf but like more so for women to create those stories for themselves and say like I'm broken something must be wrong with me because you just didn't learn all that stuff growing up Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think, I think that's so true. I mean, I went through that for sure, especially growing up with a very Christian mom. (laughs) There was a lot of shame around sexuality for sure. Um, And I think also too, like on the other hand, there's a lot of, there's a lot of men who have like their own stories around their sexuality Mm -hmm. too. And like, maybe it's different, but I know that like a big one for men is like feeling rejected, you know, feeling rejected and not Mm -hmm. received by their partners. And so I think like the biggest thing for me is just bringing a lot of compassion and understanding and just making space for like, Hey, it's all okay. Like just because you're feeling this doesn't mean that anything has gone wrong just because you, you know, your partner wasn't in the mood and there's a sense of rejection there doesn't mean that your partner doesn't love you or doesn't want to be with you or any of that. It just means today wasn't the day, you know? So I I think for me, it's like, yeah, just coming, coming back to that, that space of compassion and like letting everything be without making it mean anything is just so important. And, um, I have so many other questions I would love to ask you, but clearly we're just going to have to have you back. (laughs) We didn't even get into like singing or anything else, but I also want to be conscious of other things that we all have going on, I'm sure today. So um, what are three things you are grateful for today, Megan? Mm. This is kind of a big answer, but I'm really grateful to be here with you too. Not only for connection and like sisterhood, but also just for this greater view of like what we're doing in our lives for us being being able to just be here and like give our gifts and share our talents and our wisdom and our knowledge and just like, what a beautiful thing. And I think it can be so easy for me at least to forget that there's a lot of beauty to give. And so thank you for having this space here where we can just share and talk and open up and yeah, just tap into that wisdom and that knowledge and those gifts that that we have to give. So that's the first one. I am also really grateful that I have a very wonderful and supportive partner and a very cute gray cat who I love so much. And I'm really grateful that I get to live the life that I do. 
I'm grateful that I get to live on this ranch with so much space in my tiny home and do work that I love and connect with other amazing humans and just live in alignment with what my heart wants and my soul wants. I'm very grateful and definitely acknowledge the privilege that I have in my life to be able to do so. I love that. That's beautiful. And lastly, where can our listeners find you? Where can they connect? And also where can they listen to your podcast? Yeah. So um, let's see, this is a good question. You can find me for like more mainstream, mainstream stuff. Although I haven't been posting nearly as much in the last couple of years on my personal accounts, but you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Megan Lane. Um, and then if you'd like to follow my stripper work, um, my my podcast is called the Stripper Life Coach Podcast. And then you can find me on Instagram as the Stripper Life Coach as well. So for any women who are finding themselves in that position or maybe resonate with the ideas of wanting to change careers and kind of feeling stuck, um, there's a lot of good stuff on there on my podcast. So yeah. Yes, there is. And as always, I'll have all the links for everyone below. So you can go interact with Megan, listen to the podcast and all of that good stuff. Thank you for being here, for showing up. Yes. Thank you and, so much. You know, like you were saying, for creating this, this space, I think it's just a very different conversation than a lot of the conversations we've had. And, and so I appreciate you and for just showing up for who you are in this world. Yay. Thank you so much, ladies. I really appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> So that was just a beautiful conversation. <laughs> I know she's like, honestly, one of the most interesting people I think I, I've ever met. So like her story is just so she said it herself. She's got a very unique like journey. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it's so cool that she's so open about it because like she had said, um, there's so much stigma around like stripping and like being a stripper and things like that. And mm -hmm. I know that that's not like the main topic of but it's, it's kind of where she has developed her business and it's kind of like the niche in which she's um, going and helping those people as well. Um, but it was just really cool to even see like where my like stereotypes of people who are in the stripping business and things like that, you know, mm -hmm. are. And it was just very interesting to meet her. And I was telling Holly when we stopped, like I just, her energy is just such like a calming energy and like I said I just have the stereotype of like someone who's like loud and in your face and things like that so it's just like I think it helped me too just to realize that like we don't know people yeah never you know judge a book by its cover <laughs> exactly like I would have if you introduced me to her I would have never even like thought of that mm -hmm. too mm -hmm. you know yeah I so think I think that it's really cool that she's open with it yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have her on the podcast as well, besides, you know, sharing more on the spiritual side and, and some of that stuff, you know, I think she does have such a, a unique story and, and she really is. And I was trying to say it and I kind of got lost in my words in the actual episode, but she, she's changing, you know, how, you know, a, a normal person may perceive someone who's been, you know, in the sex industry or been a stripper or mm -hmm. dancer. And, you know, I love that she's helping other women who are in that space um, as well, because I feel like 
so often you hear these terrible stories about, you know, the women that are in the, in that business, um, Mm -hmm. or wow, they must be so mentally damaged and things like that. And it's like, that's not always true. You know, like she talked about, she went into it because she just needed that financial means. It's not because Mm -hmm. she was super sexual or anything like that. And I think that speaks volumes alone. Um, Well, and I know that she talks about it like on her, um, page and stuff and like on her social medias, but it's just like she also just didn't want that nine to five and the businesses that she you know a real job quote unquote um she wasn't qualified for some of those things and people would tell her to like go get a real job and she's like well okay first of all this is my real job (laughs) like dancing but like also like it just didn't line up with what she had wanted and what she thought that she was qualified for. So I think that that's really helpful that she's helping women who are in that situation too know that like, you're not, not qualified for things, you know, like you can go do anything and you can get yourself out of that situation. Definitely. And there was just, if you're stuck. Yes. If you're stuck, if you're comfortable there, like she says, you know, yeah. And she, she was comfortable for so long, you know? Yeah. And, you know, there's so many nuggets in this. I like, I'm excited just to up- edit the episode because that's when I get to pick out, you know, quotes and stuff like that for social media. And I just, I was already thinking, okay, there was this that she said about 10 minutes in this, she said about 20 minutes in and at, at some point I had to stop tracking because I was like, you're just going to have to find them again. But yeah, you know, this is an episode that I feel like once you listen, wait a week and maybe listen again. I feel like she just talks about so many life lessons and, and things she's went through. And like Mary was saying in the intro, you know, we were processing a lot. So I feel like this is a big processing episode. So come back to it, whether it's next 100%. week or in a month, whatever. Yeah. And I think that like, and I said it in the episode too. So I just like want to reiterate that it's not just like dancing or stripping and things like that, that you could feel stuck in. And she kind of went over this and that's why I agree with you. Like, listen to this and then maybe listen to it again and take different little nuggets out of it because that's something that stuck out to me and then didn't really like hit until like we ended it and I was like the amount of times that I've said like I'll never go back to banking and then went back to banking Mm -hmm. in my life because that's such like a thing that I know that I can do and it's always Mm -hmm. there and it's always available to me like you can put like insert she said stripping insert any other industry in there and that could be you too or any other situation mm-hmm. or you know it could be a like she said a boyfriend like or a relationship or like you know something in your own life but I think that that's something that I really took away from this episode was like you could be stuck and not know that you're stuck for a very long time and I don't know it was just like very impactful to hear yeah definitely agree and so I'm excited, you know, that you guys got to hear this and kind of experience Mm -hmm. that magic. Um, And like I said, at the end of the episode, I'm going to have all of her um, Instagram and podcast and everything linked below. So you guys can go chat with her and listen to her podcast. Um, But speaking of Instagram, where can our listeners find us? They can find us at get fitty with it pod, or they can email us at get fitty with it pod at gmail.com. And as always, we'll have all of those below as well. Um, but you know, take messages from this episode into your week and see what you can change up in your ritual or your routine and just find what feels good for you. And, and, you know, just take a nugget away from this. That's all I hope for. Yeah. And let us know if there's anything that you did take 
away from this episode. We love talking to you guys. And we've actually been talking to you guys a lot more um, on Instagram. You guys have been messaging us a lot. And I like, every time I see a message roll in, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to everybody, you know? Yes, I agree, agree. So with that, have an amazing and beautiful week, everyone. And we will see you guys next Monday. Bye. Bye.